Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. We love our listener questions. <laughs> we and do. Recently about artificial sweeteners. And we'll get into the specifics of what those are here in a moment. But I think this is a very controversial topic. So we wanted to take a little bit of a, a look at where artificial sweeteners, or again, we'll talk about the other names for those here in a moment, where those might fit into your diet if they fit into your diet, if you want them to fit in your diet. But especially with the holidays coming up, we're all going to be eating more sweet foods, most likely. <laughs> Our season of sweets, yes. Exactly, our season <laughs> of sweets continues. So we thought this would be a great time to talk about, you know, artificial sweeteners. Are they really as sweet as they, we think that they are? So stay tuned. Yeah, we had a listener question and it was, do artificial sweeteners impact your blood sugars? I thought this was a great question. So that's a good chance we talk about blood sugars to take just a moment to talk about why this listener maybe have been concerned. So do you want to give just a little bit of outline of what diabetes, um, maybe even pre-diabetes are? And this, you know, again, this may have been kind of the idea behind this listener's question. Absolutely. I, I get a lot of my patients who are concerned about pre-diabetes or maybe they already do have diabetes and so they're they've been told to avoid sugar avoid carbohydrates and so maybe they need to and what the the intent there is to control your blood sugars better and so i had a a listener who told me they were already they had made a switch in their coffee in the morning to an artificial sweetener and the question was does it have any impact on your blood sugars? With November being National Diabetes Month, too, this has been something that's been in the news a lot. We've been thinking about it, talking about it. And so, yeah, understanding that diabetes is a disease that basically your body's just not processing blood sugar as well as it should. Mm -hmm. And it can start with what we call pre-diabetes too. And I just have, I have a lot of clients who just have a family history too, and they just want to prevent diabetes. So I think this is a, a topic that a lot of people are interested in. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that when people are diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetes, they're often told kind of this blanket recommendation sometimes from a provider to avoid sugar. Don't eat any more sugar. Or they might hear that from a well-meaning family member. Stop eating sugar. Right. That isn't always, that's sort of um, kind of just the top of the, the <laughs> list, but all carbohydrates, whether they come from sweet foods like cakes, cookies, candy, versus, you know, fruit and milk, whole grains, all contribute to blood sugar rises. Right. Maybe at a different rate, but not necessarily that sugar and sweets are the only thing that people with diabetes need to avoid or right. to have better control over. It's not just sugar and sweets. And in fact, I think some people when they get diabetes, and you probably remember this because you're an old dietitian like me. Yeah. No added sugar diets. Do you remember uh -huh. those? 
Oh, yeah. Um, like the days in the hospitals and even in nursing homes, they would have these poor patients with diabetes on no added sugar diets. Uh huh. Allow them or no concentrated sweets. That's what I yep, just say. I remember no concentrated sweets. Right, so they would not allow them to have desserts. They would let them out of all the fruit they wanted, but no desserts. Right. Which really we've now figured out that consistency and in carbohydrate intake, no matter the source, is more important than strictly avoiding sweets and sugars. Right. And I think that's something that. I try to explain to my patients, right? So we've talked about this on the podcast. The The body's preferred fuel source is carbohydrates. And so the body knows how to digest those. We What happens is the body will take a carbohydrate and break it down into blood it, it'll break it down into glucose. Uh, if it's if it's a fruit, it'll also break it down into fructose, right? And you have lactose with your milk sugars. But generally, these are very simple carbohydrates that get absorbed into the bloodstream. And so what happens and what I end up talking to my clients about is understanding how that happens and that, and that spikes in blood sugars and drops in blood sugars and how when you just eat a carbohydrate, that affects your blood sugars a lot quicker than if you eat a carbohydrate with protein that's much more difficult to digest and go into the bloodstream. So that's the whole, we hear that a lot. We hear that we need to control blood sugars better. So I think, you know, when you think about that, then you're naturally going to start thinking about these artificial sweeteners and how, how do they affect your blood sugars? Right. One of the myths that I hear around diabetes, and you probably hear this all the time too, is that I ate too much sugar and I caused my diabetes. And back in the day, you would even hear, and I still have some patients that will call it sugar diabetes, patients of a certain age, that's what it was called, you know, um, uh -huh. before they called it, they called it adult onset diabetes. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, even then they would refer to it as sugar diabetes. Right. I got the sugar. I got the sugars. Right. <laughs> Right. Eating sugar in your diet does not correct immediate does not cause you to develop diabetes. That is right. not No. It does not cause your cause your diabetes. That is not the problem. It's the right. problem that your body is not processing the glucose that comes into your bloodstream properly. Right. And that's a function of your pancreas not making enough insulin or the insulin that is making is not working as well as it used to or can get to the cells. You might even hear the term insulin resistance as people. And, and this happens, you know, to lots of people. It can happen to people who are in smaller bodies and people who are in larger bodies. Mm -hmm. It can absolutely happen to anyone. It's a genetic, a huge genetic component. I would say I've not ever talked to a patient with diabetes who didn't have a relative who had it. Yeah. I mean, in all my years, I can, I can count on one hand, maybe one who's sort of like, oh, I don't know anybody in my family who has diabetes. You're um, right. Yeah, that does not happen else. very often. Mm -mm. Right. Everybody else, it's a parent, it's a grandparent, it's a sibling, it's an aunt and uncle, and sometimes all of them. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's, it's very genetic. Absolutely. Nature. So we've also sometimes heard this as non-nutritive sweeteners. And so artificial sweetener, non-nutritive non-calorie sweeteners 
those are what you usually hear is maybe non-calorie sweetener, no calorie sweeteners. Right. You'll see a lot of terminology. If you Google artificial sweeteners, you know, there are several terms that are essentially equivalents or at least for all intents and purposes, equivalent terms, no calorie sweeteners, non-nutritive sweeteners. Even in like dietitian literature, I tend to see non-nutritive maybe used more often. Just maybe that's a more sciencey sounding term. Yeah. That's probably the more generic term, right? It's just right. In popular literature and lay literature, you'll probably see more artificial sweeteners. Sometimes you'll see sugar substitutes. Mm-hmm. I'll see that yep. used. So that tends to encompass a little bit more. And we'll talk about That's sugar true. alcohols might fall under that where they don't necessarily fall under the non-nutritive sweeteners. So, there are several that have been approved by FDA. Right, right. And these basically are enhancing the flavor and or texture of food. And so the FDA has, they can be added to food and beverages. And then the FDA kind of has approved about eight of them. And so you might think, well, there's a ton more than eight. Have you ever gone down the sugar aisle? It seems overwhelming, but they generally fall into these categories. So aspartame, that's the blue, that's the blue packet, right? (laughs) So that's the one. Yeah, all my patients are like blue, pink, yellow. Right, blue, pink, and yellow. So your blue okay, is your the color of the packet, right? Exactly. Aspartame is your equal, your NutraSweet. Then there's a sulfame potassium, which is Sunet, Sweet One, and Ace K. Uh, right. Those aren't as popular. Yeah, sulfame potassium is not that um, common, and often you'll see it mixed into other okay. uh, artificial sweeteners. It's not as as common. Not. Is common like standalone or anything like that. Let's see. So the pink packet is your saccharin, which is the sweet and lows, sugar twin, uh, even a nectar sweet, you might have heard of it. And then the yellow packet is the sucralose, which is your Splenda Aprevia. And then we also have a couple different analogs of aspartame that are approved by the FDA, neotame and Advatame. And finally, then the last one is a monk fruit extract, Luhan Gu. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> but that is a small round fruit that's native to southern China. And so those are all considered sweeteners that have been, and these have all been approved uh, to be in the food supply. Right. And, you know, when we talk about them being non-nutritive, typically we mean that they don't contain significant calories. The interesting thing is, for example, aspartame is four calories per gram, but the amount that you have to use to, because it's so much more intensely sweet than regular sugar, the amount that you use is so tiny that the, it, it contributes a negligible source of calories to your diet. I mean, less than five. Right. Would be a good way to put it. Sometimes the sweeteners are even bulked up with other ingredients to make their, there's some, some texture to it. Because again, the amounts that you're actually using because they are literally hundreds of times sweeter than sugar, all of them are, you don't have to use very much. Right. That being said, this is where it gets a little tricky. Um, you know, how you use an artificial sweetener. Yeah. If you're putting it in a beverage, you can just sort of, you know, dissolves. 
but it gets a little trickier when you're using artificial sweeteners and things that require the texture of sugar, such as a baked good. And believe it or not, sugar adds a lot. Sugar isn't just for sweetening if you're making a baked product. It's for browning. You know, the reason your cakes and your cookies brown mm -hmm. is the caramelization of the sugar. So if you have no sugar in your cookies, you know, they're going to taste good, but they're also not going to brown. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So you have to have that sugar. So a lot of the baking mixes I've seen that utilize these no calorie sweeteners or artificial sweeteners are mixes of regular sugar and the artificial sweetener because the manufacturer knows if you just give them the artificial sweetener, it's not going to turn out the way people want it to. Right. Yes. I've seen those blends are also in that aisle. And I forgot to mention there's nowadays another packet on the market. And I forgot this is the eighth one that is approved by the FDA and it's a green packet. It's Stevia, which is also labeled under Truvia is more likely what you've heard it as, but also Purevia and Sun Crystals are, those are all the Stevia. And that is also from a plant, as you mentioned. But yeah, in terms of, they don't have any calories to them. They're not providing really any added additional nutrition to our diet. No vitamins, no minerals. There's no reason why we have to have these in our diets. It's not providing something that our body doesn't need to make or need right. to have supplied to it. Even though people are controversial, people are still using these. And there have been some surveys done of how often people are using non-nutritive sweeteners such as this. Mm -hmm. You're looking about one in seven people report that they have developed more positive attitude about low calorie sweeteners over the past year. Even people, you know, are again, becoming more positive about using them in their diets as people are looking to reduce sugar in their diets. Right. It has been a, a focus, fair or not, in the last maybe five, six years on sugar as maybe the new nutritional bad guy. It used to be fat. Yep. Now it's like we've switched the pendulum again to sugar and we'll probably switch back to fat again someday. <laughs> but people are trying to reduce sugar intake in their diet. And one way they're doing this is by utilizing a no calorie or a low calorie sweetener. Right. Yes, absolutely. This is one of the number one questions that I get asked from my clients is, is it safe for me to be consuming these? And it's, it's a very big concern. And so what I tend to tell my clients is looking at their diet, right? Where is the artificial sweetener coming from? Or if they're considering like flavored water because they don't like to drink plain water, there's no reason to not consider adding something, you know, you can flavor water a variety of different ways. So we talk about that. And if you're just doing it a couple times a day, there's no reason to not to be concerned about that amount, right? Right. Right. Well, you know, and we talk about safety profiles. These things are heavily tested. And I know none of us, you know, maybe trust the government or whatever, you know, <laughs> but, but we're not just talking about U.S. government, if that's what people are concerned about. These are, you know, artificial sweeteners of these kinds are approved by every basically major health organization across the world. Yeah. So this is not just somehow, oh, this is something Americans doing and it's not correct. You know, right. you know, no general perception at this point. We again, fair or unfair. 
These are heavily tested. And the things to remember is that the acceptable daily intake, so ADI, you'll see it sometimes abbreviated, is extremely conservative. So when we're talking about things like aspartame, so those blue packets, mm-hmm. that is actually dosed by your weight. So you take your weight in, your, in kilograms and a certain amount of milligrams per kilogram that you can consume every day of your life. Mm-hmm. And then you multiply that by a hundred as a safety profile. So when we talk about some, for example, somebody who's 150 pounds, okay. we'd be talking about utilizing 80 some packets of equal every day of your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. This is not realistic, right? Right. Before it becomes a problem is what right. you're saying. And then right. multiply that by a hundred. By a hundred. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> So if we're talking about, you know, and the things that I see often in especially internet searches, so be careful, things like brain cancer, Uh multiple sclerosis, uh, other neurological conditions, migraines even, I'll see them link to other medical conditions. I'll see them, cancer seems, lymphoma seems to be one that gets a lot of linkage between this and artificial sweeteners. There have never been studies that have shown a cause and effect link between artificial sweeteners and any type of cancer. The most famous one of this was saccharin. Back in the 1970s and 80s, saccharin was actually banned because there was a belief that saccharin led to bladder tumors. Now, the interesting thing was about this particular research is this was bladder tumors in rats. And what they did is they gave these rats insane amounts of saccharin. Yeah. And that saccharin interfered or interacted with male rat urine and caused crystals in the bladder, which led to bladder cancer. Thankfully, none of us are walking around with male rat urine. (laughs) Right. And while that is a risk for rats, it is not a risk for humans. There is no link between bladder cancer and saccharin in humans. Right. And rats, sure, rats should probably lay off the saccharin. Right. But humans don't need to in that way. So, again, from a safety profile, if that is your concern at this point, they are safe to use. Please do not let anyone tell you differently. Please do not let yourself go down a rabbit hole like I sometimes do online (laughs) about safety. Now, we'll get the other stuff weight gain, sweet cravings, those that in in, in a minute here. Yeah. From a true, like, this is causing cancer that is inaccurate right again if you're using normal human amounts exactly children and pregnant women none of this is a concern right again normal human amounts no one is going to use 80 some packets of equal every single day for their entire lives just doesn't work that way that's why i'm sorry go ahead it's a hundredfold above that right a hundredfold above that these are these are very conservative very it's a very conservative or it's a very conservative approach to figuring out whether these are safe for us and in the amounts that's why i always tell my clients go ahead and go for it if you want to but yeah people are scared though too and so i'm glad you went through all that that's great so we mentioned those other controversial issues between things like weight gain, sweet cravings, even gut microbiome. People are very concerned about their gut microbiomes, which we'll explain here in a minute. But first, we want to take a little break 
and hear about a special program that Laura's business is doing that you might be interested in, and especially if you're looking to make changes for your diet in 2022. Take it away. Thank you. Exactly. I'm very excited to announce I have a dietitian-led three-month program that I'll be starting in January. It's January 10th is our first will be our first class. I'm excited about this because it can be something that any of our listeners can take part in, even if you're not here in Ohio. So the difference is I'm not going to be providing medical nutrition therapy telling you exactly what your needs are as a dietitian. If you need help with that, we can do that too. This program is actually just helping you to learn to establish habits that will help you have a healthy relationship with food and live your best lifestyle. You'll review your current status on eight habits, and each week with my oversight, we're going to create goals to improve your habits, firmly establishing a healthy lifestyle. Benefits of the program are, I have a nutrition lifestyle 101, like on-demand course called the nitty gritty of nutrition, that if you sign up for it today, you will actually get access to the program now, and you can start working on the on-demand program before January. But every week during the program starting in January, you will also have a weekly goal setting with me via chat in a platform I use. We will complete a healthy habit assessment weekly and goal review. You'll have access to me to answer any questions you might have and then weekly live check-ins with the di- with me or the dietitians at my office for 30 minutes on Mondays at 6.30 p.m. You'll have library access to my seasonal recipes and resources and the use of what I call it's a healthy app for tracking your goals, progress, and for seeing the recommendations that I have for you. So this class class is limited to 20 participants. Again, the dates are going to be January 10th through March 31st. The the Q&A live session will be recorded every week, so if you don't get to it, you can watch the recording. Uh, it is $200 for three payments or for each month, basically. The first payment will be collected at sign up and then monthly until three payments are complete. So sign up using the promo code, sorry, sign up using the promo code secret life to receive $100 off your first payment. So thanks for being a listener. I hope you can join me in this class and If you missed it, we are going to probably be launching this class quarterly, so hopefully you can join us some other time. The promo code Secret Life will still apply every time, and you'll receive $100 off your first payment. And back to the show. (laughs) That's a really great program. That's I'm so excited for you. I think that everyone, I mean, I think that would be just a huge benefit to be able to kind of that accountability Yes, the accountability and just to be able to work with a group of people. I'm very excited about that. We know research tells us that when we are involved in a group that we can, for some of us, that is a better way to learn, a better way to grow is when we have that support. So very excited. Well, if you missed all of the sign up link information, uh, we will include that in the show notes. Yep. Um, And we'll also include that on the social media posts that go along with this podcast episode. So you'll be able to check back in and don't forget your promo code. Right, Um, right. Good money on that. 
Right. Okay, so we promise we are going to answer this question, but... <laughs> so are they safe for people with diabetes? Well, let's go from the American Diabetes Association. They put out their 2021 standards of medical care, and I'm going to quote this because I want to make sure I get it all right. For some people with diabetes who are accustomed to regularly consuming sugar-sweetened products, non-nutritive sweeteners containing few or no calories may be an acceptable substitute for nutritive sweeteners, those containing calories, such as sugar, honey, and agave syrup, when consumed in moderation. Use of non-nutritive sweeteners does not appear to have a significant effect on glycemic management, so a big word for blood sugar management, but they can reduce overall calorie and carbohydrate intake as long as individuals are not compensating with additional calories from other food sources. That is the key to that statement. Exactly. <laughs> not quoting anymore. That is the key to making artificial sweeteners and non-nutritive sweeteners part of your diet. Right. So you're basically... Not, you're not compensating by eating more of other things. Right. So ultimately, what we're saying is that no, an artificial sweetener, a, a, a non-nutritive, non-calorie sweetener will not affect your blood sugar. Right. And so, but the problem is what we see for a lot of people is a lot of us make a substitute then. Okay, I'm going to have a Diet Coke, so I'm going to have the Big Mac or, you know, I'm going to have the large fries or something. So we're making up those calories somewhere else. Those, that's what's going to affect your blood sugar actually more than, and the non-nutritive sweeteners, they don't affect it. Right. So they're not going to affect your blood sugar, but as long as you understand where they fit and what part of your diet they fit into. You know, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, that's at the top of the show, we are, we are bred to enjoy sweet things. This is, it's yeah. something... And it's rare that I talk to a patient that doesn't enjoy something sweet at some point in their lives or during the day or after. And this is where artificial sweeteners, in particular, if you're looking to control calories and carbohydrates, can play a role. Right. And, you know, you might even say, well, I saw a study online that said that if I consume artificial sweeteners, I'm going to get type 2 diabetes. And that is not the case in terms of a cause and effect relationship. And in fact, you know, there have been studies that show an association between use of artificial sweeteners and type two diabetes, but remember association is not cause and effect. In fact, people who are struggling, for example, with their weight, who are at, maybe at more at risk for diabetes may be consuming artificial sweeteners to try to reduce their weight and they were, you know, that, but they were higher risk for diabetes and may have developed it anyway. Right. Um, it was not necessarily anything to do with the artificial sweetener. When we talk about weight loss, you know, the other group that I think people should pay attention to is something called the National Weight Control Registry. And this is about 450 some people that they survey regularly. These are people who have lost weight and kept it off for a significant period of time. Mm -hmm. And in the surveys, they show that over 50% say that these are successful weight losers and maintainers, that they are able to maintain their weight loss utilizing artificial sweeteners as a tool to do that. Yeah. Not as the only thing they're doing. Right. As a tool. As a tool. Yes. 
Right. And so the thing is, what you kind of tell your clients, right? Using it as a tool, but not realizing it is not a magic bowl. Right, right. It's not going to solve your problem, but it's going to help to either, a lot of times I find it's helpful for people when they're trying to change to water from pop. And so they want to do, but they need flavor in their water. So they might use a a crystal light or something like that to increase their fluids. Uh, They might be using it to occasionally have a cookie, although I also encourage them to just go ahead and have a cookie. It doesn't have to be a sugar-free cookie, but I see that used a lot with the ice cream, the Halo Top ice creams or something like that that don't have a lot of calories to them. And we'll we'll talk more about why they don't have a lot as, as many calories either. But, you know, just when you're trying to look at ways to reduce your calorie intake and your sugar intake, it can be a tool. One thing I see that's very confusing for people with diabetes is the difference, right, the difference between true no calorie or low calorie items such as for example sugar-free jello diet pop compared to no added sugar cakes and cookies i once had a staff member where i work say why don't we offer no added sugar puddings here well because they're almost exactly the same amount of carbohydrates as regular <laughs> right <laughs> so from a diabetes perspective and if you come to our hospital i know if you go to many hospitals I mean, all over across the nation we offer desserts with our meals that are not labeled sugar-free right. because what we know is they still contain calories and carbohydrates. Sugar-free ice cream is not dr- drastically different in terms mm-hmm. of calories and carbohydrates than regular ice cream. It's in fact very little difference. Right. A few grams, nothing significant. So it's almost, you know, to me, it's like, well, what would you prefer to eat? Yeah. You like the taste of the sugar, the sugar-free or the no added sugar? Or do you mm-hmm. prefer to have something that's sugar sweet? And again, they're essentially almost no difference. Right. I think it's the same thing with like the the fat when we, when it was on the fat side, you know, and we were right. worried about the fat and, and you, all your peanut butters and your mayonnaises got switched to a low fat version. Then they added sugar to that. <laughs> so, right. so it's, it's just, yeah, you, those types of products are generally not, I just eat the regular foods and let's talk about how to control blood sugar from a diet perspective instead of worrying about that. Right. the added sugar there. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking from, is it safe for people with diabetes to use? Absolutely. Uh, as long as you, again, can realize where they fit in. Mm-hmm. So if it's the case again, where, you know, you say, well, I really like the sweet taste of soda. Mm-hmm. Then you're much better off to use a diet than to use regular. And again, I understand this not natural and all of those types of things. Right. But I, you know, while we, you know, there, there are association studies between, for example, diet and artificial sweeteners and diet soda and those types of things and weight gain, we absolutely know that sugar sweetened beverages are bad for people with diabetes and cause weight gain. Exactly. So if somebody with diabetes, sugar sweetened beverages are not safe to use in any amount that most people would use them. Right. You know, Unless you're having like a sick day management, you know, where you're not eating anything else. But, you know, I have patients who, you know, if they want to have a can of soda with a meal, regular pop's not the way to go. 
it, it just isn't. Right. Right. If we can make that switch to diet from regular pop, yeah. I always talk to my clients about doing that. Yes. And, you know, the other thing always to remember with beverages like this and, and the other products is what is it displacing in your diet itself? Mm-hmm. So if you are chain drinking diet soda all day, you know, <laughs> no, it's not causing cancer, but it's also you're also not drinking milk. Right. Right. And so you're affecting your bone health. And as you mentioned before we got on tonight, uh-huh. the phosphorus content may actually affect how we absorb calcium. Exactly. That, that's the thing that people don't realize. It's it, My problem with pop is, is not necessarily the sugar content unless you're diabetic. And then we look at diet. But it's the amount of, of, of uh, soft drinks that you might drink in a day because it, actually then yeah it decreases the amount of calcium we absorb it can interfere with that and so we should keep it in its place no matter whether it's diet or regular right you know but it, i mean if you are somebody who says i enjoy to have a sweet taste of something you know one or two servings a day yeah maybe you're unlikely to be doing any harm to yourself and if you are somebody with diabetes it is a much safer prospect than utilizing regular pop Okay, so now we need to talk about sugar alcohols. Okay, so because this is not like regular alcohol. This is like a, a sweetener. It's a version. sweetener. It's 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 yes. Yeah, so it's it's an artificial sweetener. Uh, it's found in a lot of low calorie diet, reduced calorie foods. Again, it's providing that taste and texture of regular table sugar, and so it makes it satisfying. It's an alternative for sure for diabetes, but. The thing that di- that's different with sugar alcohols is it's it's not fully absorbed during digestion. So it provides about half the amount of calories that a regular sugar would provide. So that's a good, that's a plus. And it does have less of an impact upon blood sugar levels. However, sugar alcohols do affect your blood sugar levels just in, in contrast to what we've been talking about so far tonight. And I thought this was really interesting as I was doing some research on this. Sugar alcohol naturally occurs in some fruits and vegetables. And I don't think I really put that together or didn't realize that. So things like stone fruits, so peaches, pears, plums, and mushrooms, for example, have naturally occurring polyols in them are sugar alcohols. Yeah. But they're often added to things like you mentioned, like sugar-free candies, gums, mints. You'll see them in vitamin, like chewy, gummy vitamin supplements okay. sometimes. Uh-huh. You'll see them in ice creams. You'll see them in low-carb products because everybody's low-carb now. Yep. You'll see them added to a lot of low-carb um, products. Atkins bars, yes. those types of things tend to have these sugar alcohols in them they are required to be labeled so if you're never clear of whether your item can contain sugar alcohols it's actually going to be on that nutrition facts panel yeah so where you'll see total carbohydrates you'll see total sugar added sugars and then you're going to see if there's a significant amount of sugar alcohols you'll see that labeled with a number of grams so other names you might see for sugar alcohols and when you think about this look for the ol yep Oh, yeah. So xylitol, sorbitol, mannitol, erythritol is kind of the new kid on the block. This is the yeah. one that I'm seeing in things like those reduced calorie ice creams. 
But as you mentioned, these are poorly absorbed or not fully absorbed. And so when people consume large amounts of these alls, these sugar alcohols, you're, you're going to feel it. Yeah. And you're not going to feel it in your blood sugar. You're going to feel it in your belly. Right. Especially the right. mannitol, sorbitol, xylitol. Uh, right. They can actually cause diarrhea uh, right. and GI issues. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which I can attest to. I can tell you, I can't do sugar alcohol. I can't do sugar alcohols like those shakes and those bars and stuff like that. If it has it in there, fiber one bars, I thought they were the best thing on the market. And then I realized what they were doing to me. <laughs> you know, a lot of those added when you get, we get a whole show on this, we get those added fibers like chicory root and those types of things. Yes. Are very we got, mm-hmm. but sugar alcohols in particular, you know, this is one of those things. And when people are complaining, for example, with IBS, variable yeah. bowel syndrome, this is one of the groups that we look at. It, right. Are you consuming a lot of sugar alcohols in your diet, either naturally occurring right. in stone fruits or mushrooms or artificially occurring in things like mints and gums and candies? I've had many a patient with diabetes who their first maybe Christmas with diabetes, everyone they love runs out and <laughs> buys them sugar-free candy, yeah. sugar-free chocolates. And they eat them all <laughs> right? because they taste so good. Yeah. And they wake up the next morning quite not feeling well. Right. You know, I remember a diabetes support group that I facilitated probably, gosh, almost 20 years ago now, where a guy said I had a, he said he'd had an entire box of sugar-free Esther Price candy. Esther Price is a very popular chocolate maker in the Dayton area. Uh-huh. And he couldn't go to work the next day. Oh, gosh. Because so thick. Oh, um, So beware if you are buying things like sugar-free chocolates or candy for people you love or for yourself Mm -hmm. that portion sizes apply and it has nothing to do with your blood sugar. Right. (laughs) With how your gut's going to feel when you're done. Right. Right. And I just, I will say one other thing, just despite the fact that it's an alcohol, it isn't intoxicating. It doesn't contain alcohol. Uh, even in trace amounts. So you, there's no worry there with those sugar alcohols, even though they're called that. So, yeah. So have we settled our listener question? I think we have. I think we have. Basically, so, right. your artificial sweeteners are not going to affect your blood sugars. Uh, sugar alcohols do have some effect, but not as much of an effect as a regular sugar in your diet. Right. And there are risks and benefits with everything we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you find it beneficial to do some substituting in your diet with sugars, if it makes your life more enjoyable, if it makes it easier for you to stick with your, you know, diet for your diabetes, then have at it. That's completely fine. You know, if somebody says, I'd rather have a little bit less of the regular, that's fine too. Right. You know, it's whatever you prefer. Exactly. Um, in terms of, and again, in terms of safety, there really isn't anything to be concerned about. Truly, from a safety perspective, nothing has been of any concern. I feel completely comfortable using them myself and yeah. recommending to, to friends and family. Uh, again, you know, a realizing the place. It's not a magic bullet. It's not a panacea for weight loss. Switching to diet soda is not going to cause you to lose weight on its face. On right. Its own. Right. If you're trying to control your blood sugars, maybe right. having a conversation with a dietitian to take a look at what you're doing and what kinds of changes you could make because there's so many things that will affect your blood sugars and it's not it's not the sugar in your diet necessarily either. So 
have those conversations. <laughs> well, we love your listener questions. Right. We love your listener questions. And if you have more questions like our listener with diabetes did, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at dish at secretliferd.com. You can reach us on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians. You can also check out our website. We have past episodes. If you've missed some episodes recently, you can find those on our website at secretliferd.com. If you are listening on an app for your podcast, please give us a rating. Good, bad, indifferent. We'd love to hear your comments. So drop us a rating and we appreciate that as well. And we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.